0: Welcome to our podcast where we will be focusing on the topic of gender migration. I'm Jemima Mustafa and I will be your host for today. And joining me today is Julieta Mia.
1: Hello, I'm Julieta Mia and I'll be talking about some of the topics today.
0: Yeah. Um, We will be discussing three main topics. The first topic will be focusing on female Muslim integration within British society and how they um, face discrimination and racism. Then we'll be talking about um, migrant women's access to free healthcare and the restrictions around that due to language barriers. Lastly, we'll be focusing on second generation migration, where we'll be exploring the contrasting views of culture and value systems.
1: Um, we'll also be putting our own input into that as well. Yeah, because we're talking me about our own experiences yeah. as second generation migra- migrants ourselves. Yeah, yeah,
0: so we'll be putting our own experiences into that. So, um, I'd like to start off with the topic of um, Muslim integration, particularly, you know, female Muslims yeah. integrating within British society. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic because um, me and Julietta, we can kind of both relate to that, considering both of our mums were first, Second, genera- first generation, first migrants. generation yeah, migrants and, you know, um, and the struggles that they kind of faced. So... Um, in terms of um, integrations uh, with muslim people within the united kingdom um the topic has been a discussion for for a long time especially around the time of brexit as well um a lot of muslims have faced discrimination particularly um in places like employment housing Mm -hmm. education there's also been a lot of you know racial profiling around Muslims and you know hate crime towards them, particularly towards Muslim women because of the way that they appear and the way that they dress. Um, so because of those issues you know it has been really hard for a lot of Muslims to integrate into British society, especially Muslim women. Um, and I think another issue that kind of adds on to that is uh, the media. Uh, the media does not help at all you know some of the the headlines that you'll see throughout the british media against muslim people are quite bad you know calling them terrorists and things like that but i came across this um particular article by the guardian which said that like the muslim population is the second least like demographic within the uk and apparently 18 percent of british people want muslims to be kicked out of the uk and I think, you know, you know, headlines like that are not helping Muslims to integrate into British society because it's just constantly, you know, targeting them and going against them. Yeah, I
1: feel like that just kind of shows the stereotypes they face through yeah. the media. Yeah, exactly. And um,
0: another issue which has, you know, which has occurred is the fact that... Um, the language barrier, particularly um, with with Muslim females, um, according to the 2011 census, 22 um, of Muslim migrants speak little to no English. And for some reason, that statistic caused a massive stir during during that mm-hmm. that time. Um, you know, from from that statistic, the former um, Prime Minister David Cameron. You know he made a a new law that you know uh, uh, Muslim migrants you know in particular they should learn English within two years if not they may face being kicked out of the UK and I think you know I think that's very that's a very harsh statement to make because um if you if you look if you explore if you research there's actually not a lot of um, colleges and um teachers and there's not a lot of resources out there trying to help muslim particularly muslim females integrate into british society for example you know i've got first-hand experience you know my my mother she well she's my stepmother but i call her my mum. um she came to britain i'd say three years ago So it was during the pandemic, unfortunately. And in those three years, it has been so difficult for us to find a teacher or um, a college course that that is suitable for her. You know, they're either charging really high fees of up to like 600 pounds for 10 lessons, or you know the courses are online which i just don't think is beneficial and it's not that she doesn't want to learn english because that seems to be the notion that seems to be the idea that you know muslim female muslim migrants they don't want to learn english they don't want to try and integrate but actually i think a lot of them do and in terms of my stepmom you know she she wants to learn english she wants to do it but there's just not the options out there so um so yeah so i actually think that the government aren't being very helpful yeah there are a few organizations and charities out there which you know are trying to help but you know there's i I believe there's very little these charities
1: also should be talked about more in the media
0: yeah so people are more aware of the support they have yeah but but i don't think they want to talk about them in the media because they they don't they don't want muslim migrants to integrate into they're just British focusing society. on the negatives yeah
1: exactly instead of the positives i think the language barrier that you were talking about is actually really interesting mm. because we can we can link it to the healthcare in the uk yeah. i feel like the specific legislation the immigration act 2014 has mm. kind of um, stopped migrants from accessing free healthcare yeah and um, but like they've done this because if they don't have a permanent residence in the uk yeah migrants don't know what the rights are yeah um
0: i think there's also the issue of um you know when a migrant does come to the uk they make it clear that they can't speak english well and you know i know that there is many you know there's a lot of translators out there a lot of translators work for the nhs as well but for some reason there seems to be this issue of when my you know say if it's like a um a woman who speaks arabic when she's going to these doctor appointments she's you know there's a there's a, a specific like section where you have to say i don't speak english mm-hmm. so they're aware that these people don't speak english but yet they're not providing them with the services that they said they would provide they're not providing them with translators yeah so they're going to these appointments not being able to communicate with the doctors doctors are getting frustrated with them exactly which i don't think is fair because yeah. they've made it clear you know i don't speak english well they can't expect people to learn english within like a year of them being there because you know what especially if you speak a language like arabic or farsi or yeah or you know chinese or whatever or oh, was it mandarin sorry you know those languages they're very different to the English language mm-hmm. and they t- it takes a long time to actually adapt to the to the
1: English language. I, I know I know that in um, healthcare setting they've got, yeah. such as hospitals, they have like a um, system where you can sign in by yourself. Yeah. And they've got those different types of languages that you can press on to help. Yeah. But there's only just a few. Yeah. And there needs to be a lot more. Mm.
0: And in terms of, I guess not being able to, to speak English, that then affects them understanding the kind of help that they yeah, need.
1: Yeah. I mean, migrants, women, migrant women's knowledge about their legal status in healthcare is like an example of where they have a limited amount of power. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a qualitative study found that pregnant migrant women don't know what the type of access they have is. and. Yeah and how they can receive the full care that they need mm. and this is due to the control of like immigration and the health system yeah um like their status in the country m- means that they feel like ambiguous about not just their legal status in the uk but mm. about their unborn babies and the family and what's going to happen yeah to them yeah are they going to have course. full status to stay in the uk mm. um and you know talking about it mentally and physically adds a lot of Stress
0: yeah of course, it, it, yeah,
1: there's a lot of mental health problems that they can they can, they can get from it, yeah, a lot of worry,
0: yeah, and I think I think a big thing as well, because they obviously struggle, they then maybe rely on other family members or their children who uh, were born yes. in the country and can speak English fluently, they tend to rely on them to you know help them they'll take them to appointments i mean me personally i've been to God knows how many doctor's appointments with my stepmom yeah. you know and my arabic isn't strong obviously i was born in england you know and so my arabic's not strong so there's me having to you know take in all of this information from mm-hmm. the doctor trying to explain it to my stepmom and then i have to go home explain it to my dad my dad has to translate everything it's just such a long process especially long. As, a, as
1: a second generation yeah, and migrant you know growing up as a teenager as well i think those born in the UK to migrant parents face a big challenge with different value systems in each culture. Yeah. Because in one culture, we have different values and beliefs. And then in mm. the culture that we're born in, in Britain, completely different values and beliefs. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think, um, I believe with those values and beliefs, you know, parents will rely on their children to mm. help them with things. Like, for example, um, during COVID, I worked for the NHS, Track and Trace, and I was actually calling people. Yeah, I did. I was calling people and basically saying to them, like, you've got COVID, you have to stay yeah. at home. The amount of children that would mm. pick up the phone oh, for wow. their parents and have to answer these difficult questions I had to ask them because their parents didn't speak English yeah. and they relied on their children yeah. to, you know, to, to answer for them. And, you know, I'd have children, like, the ages of, like, seven and eight, and I'd have to turn them away and be like, you know, I can't, I can't take this call with you, you're yeah. too young. But it just shows, it just shows, you know, and th- and these parents, they've probably been living in England for years. Yeah,
1: I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my mum struggled to speak mm. English, like, letters that we would get about anything, really, I'd have yeah. to translate it to her as a young child. Yeah.
0: But do you think? Do you think the government tried to help her? Do you think British society tried to help her to integrate? Do you think there was much help when she no, came over? No. Yeah. There wasn't. I, I think know. there
1: needs to be more. Yeah, definitely. I know there's charities and support groups, but where do you, you don't, hear don't hear about, about it? Hear about it yeah. In the media, do you? No. Really? You don't.
0: You don't hear about it anywhere. They don't. Even when they're migrating into this country, mm-hmm. they don't say. By the way, there's this charity which helps. Arabic speaking Muslim yeah. women to learn English. Yeah. They don't give this information to migrants so it's kind of like they've got to figure it all out by themselves which can be really difficult.
1: I think fo- focusing on the positives Yeah. Like, as second generation migrants mm. we have a lot more opportunities than we did oh, than yeah. our parents did. Yeah, definitely. In terms of education. Yeah. There's so much opportunities with mm. education they didn't have. Yeah. I feel like,
0: me personally, I've, there has been that kind of burden, that stress of my parents oh, yeah. having to rely on yeah. me. I mean, at the ages of like 9, 10, yeah. having to send, you know, emails for them and fill out passport your, applications and stuff. This is actually
1: quite an interesting question. Did yeah. your parents kind of put stress on you to do well at school and achieve yeah. very, very high? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's and I think it's a reflection because they didn't want me to kind of. Not yeah, they're good. I'm proud of them of what they've done, but they didn't want me to be in the same situation that mm-hmm. they was
1: in. See, my parents yeah. were the opposite. I feel like they were quite supportive in terms of whatever I got. Yeah, they were very proud of what I got.
0: That's good. Yeah, and that's that's from a different perspective. Yeah, because normally you hear it
1: is they put more pressure. A lot on more you. pressure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but overall um i believe in terms of like british society the british government you know the policies that are made around migration in the uk i mean look at the new policy about sending migrants to rwanda oh yeah
1: um
0: you know i just think that's not going to help anything it's it's you know i just think that's yeah it's just not it's not a good policy but um you know, I think in terms of the policies that are made around migration, instead of resolving problems, I feel like it's causing, it's causing more, more problems More problems for them. It's not helping them to, to integrate. I think a lot of the policies are borderline racist.
1: Racist, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another huge ish- effect is the media itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, the media adds into that, it fuels into that, and I believe that the British government use migrants as a scapegoat for societal issues within Britain, Mm -hmm. you know, they blame them when actually it's the
1: government that's failing the system. It's the government, and it's the British media that kind of feeds into that discrimination and racism towards migrants, Yeah, and they kind of put out this image of them being a threat or some, some sort of outsider. yeah. Um, where they are dangerous and vulnerable. Yeah. And it's, it's that, crazy to see. But it. actually, they're making them the outsiders. They're making them the outsiders.
0: Yeah. I think overall, I think this is another topic for a different day, but I think overall, um, the question is: it's kind of like, where where is the tax money going to? Because, you know, exactly. British yeah. society, they said they're going to provide these services for us, they said mm-hmm. they're going to provide translators for you know, migrants. They said they're gonna teach migrants yeah. English. They say that they want migrants to integrate, but they are, the services are very limited. They're not very there. limited.
1: And I feel like migrants just feel traps. Exactly. They yeah. they've migrated to the UK.
0: Yeah. Looking for they better don't have opportunity.
1: a home to go back to really. Exactly. And I don't have a home here. So exactly. they're kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah, alienated. Alienated,
0: you know. Yeah. But overall, I think, you know, for for the foreseeable future, I it's not looking very good considering new policies around migration. There needs to be more support. Yeah. The
1: focus on the support groups yeah. and kind of acknowledging these support groups. Yeah. Um raising more awareness. Exactly.
0: And not treating migrants like rubbish, basically. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, not human. But it's not looking very promising with the policies that we've got coming out now.
1: I yeah. Think, I think as younger generations. Yeah there's a lot of more, more awareness on what migrants are experiencing and racism i feel, like, I feel like, like we that. could use that yeah in a positive way yeah. to promote social support awareness. for them yeah. social awareness yeah can be so hopefully thing.
0: our was it gen z or we gen our z? generation yeah hopefully our generation <laughs> can can fix that because right now it's, it's not it's not really it's not looking, looking good. good no but anyway thank you for listening today thank you for joining me as well Julia thank Sarah. you and yeah i hope you enjoyed our podcast